everyone. Welcome to Way of Life Podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Alrighty, so we're going to get into some Q&A with our guest speaker, Dan Patterson, right now uh, from Questioning Christianity. Thank you again, Dan. This has been such a pleasure having you. Uh, We've got a bunch of cool, awesome questions that have come in, so do your best. Um, So first one off the bat is, does everything happen for a reason through God? Wow, it's a great a question. question. And uh, one of the things to kind of get your head around really early if you're exploring the Christian faith is that Christians don't all agree on how to make sense of everything. If the end goal is that we be wise, morally mature people who have used our reason to try and make sense of God's revelation, then part of that freedom and that command to try and think through things really clearly will means that Christians will sometimes disagree. And in making sense of things like how does God's sovereignty work together with human agency? How does God unfold what happens in history? Does everything that happens happens because God specifically causes it? So if you stubbed your toe when you got out of bed this morning, God made that happen. How are we to understand God's sovereignty and our agency and the way that the world is set up? And and this is one of those areas where even though there's so much agreement on Christians on the major major parts of the Christian story, these are one of those sort of secondary areas where there's less agreement and Christians think differently. And that's, I think, a strength that we're Mm. given the freedom to try and make the best sense of things intellectually of piecing together philosophy and scripture and nature as best as we're able to. Mm. Now, on a question like this, the way I would probably best say uh, makes sense to me is to think that God is so big, but that his goal, his sovereignty is ultimately expressed through creating a meaningful universe where creatures interact with the cause and effect structure of nature Mm. and that our choices really do have meaningful consequences. Um, that we have real agency that affects the way that the world is and that God doesn't micro control every single decision that you make and so act as a puppeteer or a computer programmer, but rather that he's so big that irrespective of our free choices through how he interacts through history and through nature and through revelation, he is incorporating all of the free decisions of people and all of the uh, consequences that happen to nature as a result of that and is responding and guiding history towards his ultimate desired ends. So God knows all things in advance, that he works out his will according to his purposes in interacting with how things unfold, um, but he is not necessarily the primary cause of every single event that takes place, that there is real agency, that there is a real cause and effect structure to nature mm. and that God upholds these things but isn't shifting and changing the game just to ensure that you make every particular kind of decision and remove your individual agency so i would say to a question like this yes and no it's kind of in the middle (laughs) both and that's good um how do we get closer and trust in god more when bad things are happening either in our lives or others oh such a meaningful question thank you for asking it and i'd say um personally speaking um It's those times when things are really hard. They're exactly the times I need to run to God. Mm. 
I understand the argument because I've lived it, the idea that in the face of evil and suffering, that we should give up on belief in God. I know what it means to run away from God because it doesn't make sense at times. You're like, well, why would a loving God allow these bad things to happen? I can't piece that together. But at the same time, running away from God in those moments doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. Mm. The bad things are still there. All you've done is remove his presence and the hope, the help and the hope mm. that the Christian story ultimately kind of brings. And so in this, how do we draw near? Here's what I would encourage you to, to remember is when things go bad for you, remember that God has not remained distant from the bad things of this world. Whenever I am tempted to doubt or to really struggle with terrible things that are happening in my own life, those are the moments where I fix my eyes on the cross mm. of Jesus Christ. The place that reminds me that whatever's going on, that's not evidence of God's absence. It's not evidence that he doesn't love me. Mm. His love for me is proved through his willingness to suffer on my behalf, to suffer for me, to die for me. Mm. And so whatever else is going on, it's not meant to be interpreted as God's disapproval, as God being distant, as God not caring. Mm. And as a result, seeing God on a cross, it just makes me want to lean in to call out for help to cry out to him, to think like I'm like that persistent widow that Jesus speaks about um, in his, one of his parables, just to keep knocking on God's mm, door. Say, God, I, I need your help. I need your presence. And to really rehearse in my own mind and heart the promises of God. Mm. Uh, some of the things that really maybe dislodge us in these moments is that we have believed things or thought that God has promised things that he's never promised in the scriptures. Mm. God never promises an easy life. He never promises a life free of tragedy. He never promises a life free of momentary disappointments. Mm. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. In this life, you will have troubles. In this world, you will have troubles. Yep. But fear not, for I've overcome the world. And so in those moments, rather than leaning into the bigness or the struggles of my circumstances, instead, I just try and fix my eyes on, on Jesus. In whatever ways that I can, whether through being around God's people, through meditating on the scriptures through just mm. being really honest to God in prayer. Like so many of the writers in the scriptures are yeah. crying out with my complaints and my hurts and my frustrations, my disappointments, but then zooming out to get the perspective and saying, but I know who you are, God. Yeah. And those moments in so many of those precatory Psalms where it's yeah. the God, where are you? Things are terrible. My enemies are breaking in, but I know that you're faithful. Yeah. I've seen the way that you've worked in history. I know who you are through Jesus and I'm going to lean in and trust. That's maybe some of the ways I'd encourage people to, to respond in those circumstances. Yeah, that's really, really good. Uh, we've got some more questions. Could you share an experience you've had of coming to God with a deep world shaking question or a uh, point of suffering that you've seen God answer for you? Yeah, this is a really big one. And I'm, I'm cautious to share this story, um, not only because it's deeply personal, but more so because this story is not everyone's story. And so it's not meant to be prescriptive of everyone else's experience. It's just more descriptive of what happened for us. But my wife, Erin, and I um, uh, weren't intending to get pregnant the first time we got pregnant, yep. uh, but uh, it received it with joy when we found out the news. Yeah. Um, but we lost that first child to mm. miscarriage. Um, and it ended up being quite a complex scenario and yeah. a whole lot of tests were done and a big follow-up process with hospitals for the next six months and um, questions, don't worry, this is an anomaly. It happens to one in a hundred thousand cases. It'll never happen again. And so we had to wait uh, about a year before we could uh, start trying again. And when we fell pregnant, we had the exact same thing um, oh, come about again. Gosh. 
And so another one of these strange anomalies, and all of a sudden at this point, you get elevated to be one of those guinea pig cases in the medical yeah. system where they're like, we don't think this is meant to happen. There's no genetic links, but at the same time, this is really unusual. You're one yeah. of four couples that we're aware of. And so it starts following through. And um, I would say we, we were okay um, working through the grief of yeah. the first miscarriage. The second one hit really hard, particularly yeah. for my wife, Erin. Of course it would. And uh, she, in the aftermath of that, there you have to go in and see the doctors every week and get special blood tests, but more so when they say, well, we're not sure what this means. And those questions of, are you going to be able to have children? That becomes a very, very painful experience. Mm. And it stirred me to pray. Um, it, it really rocked Aaron's world for, for a long period of time. Mm. Um, and, you know, we have such um, rejoicing to do now that, you know, a couple of years down the track, we had our, our first kid and uh, we've had three boys now, beautiful, healthy boys. Um, but though it was a real intense time of sensing, yeah. God, I don't know what you're doing. And even for the, the kind of tenderness of my wife's heart and of um, the richness of her faith, just a really dark night of the soul no, for her. For sure. Can I trust what God's doing in the midst of this? And so that was a, a couple of years of just intense of prayer and yeah. quite a bit of sorrow and all of this behind the scenes of people not knowing a lot what's going yeah. on as so much of, of this kind of uh, experience is. Um, and so, you know, we saw God meaningfully come through and, and real beautiful and, and answers to prayer in that. But I recognize that for some of our friends, that hasn't been their experience too. Yeah. So it's one opportunity where, you know, we, we have to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice, yep. but also to remember and to mourn with those who mourn and to carry each other's burdens and pains yeah. as we walk together as a church. That's good. Thank you for sharing that personal story, Dan. That's awesome. Um, is it possible that my sister who died without putting her faith in Jesus be given a chance to respond to him? She was abused by a Christian and became closed. Wow. This is a really deep question, as you can imagine, with a number of real pastoral personal layers. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm cautious to be tender. You know, it was said of Jesus that a bruised reed he would not break and a smoldering wick he would not snuff out. Um, just a beautiful window into the way in which Jesus comes alongside those who are hurting and, and mm. these difficult questions in a way that's incredibly tender and how he yeah. tells truth. Um, the Christian story, I think, is fascinating when it comes to these. Um, for questions of what happens to those who cause someone to stumble, mm. Jesus gives some serious warning flags. He said to those who cause one of the least of these to stumble, it would be better for you to have a millstone thrown, tied around your neck and to be thrown into the ocean, effectively than to face him at the judgment. And so Jesus gives strict warning to those who through their evil actions under the banner of Christianity have turned so many away. Mm. And uh, grappling with that is a scary, scary reality. Yeah. But also for those who then have been disaffected and have been turned off because of the dark deeds of the church or Christians behaving badly. Um, those are questions that are very, very hard to answer. How does God judge people who have been, had the Christian message so distorted to them and yeah. that the messengers of that message are the ones who were the harbingers of their death and their doom. Um, what I would say about the Christian story, we actually have a video on our channel uh, called What Happens to People Who Die Without Jesus? And mm -hmm. I would really encourage people to go and to watch that it's more long video. form and to unfold the argument in our Instagram account. But I think I would align myself with Christian leaders like J.I. Packer or John Stott, who would call themselves agnostic in answering this question, meaning I don't know don't know what happens to your mm. sister. I don't know what happens to people who die without Jesus. Yeah. The Christian story does give me three things, though, that I think are helpful in giving some shape around that I don't know. Mm. The first thing that the Christian story is undeniably honest about is that everyone needs Jesus. 
that because all people are created for good in God's image, but all people have become damaged by evil and so distorted and, and our, our desires disordered. Everyone needs Jesus, that his death on the cross, that his resurrection from the dead is the only thing that can secure our forgiveness of sin, our freedom from sin through the new birth and ultimately a future with God forever in the new creation. So everyone needs Jesus. Yeah. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The second thing the Christian story, at least by implication, would say is that perhaps, perhaps not everyone needs to know the name of Jesus to be saved by Jesus. And where I get this is from the reality that everyone prior to the coming of Jesus, namely Old Testament saints, think mm. David, or Abraham, or Moses, they trusted what was revealed to them by God, and it was credited to them as righteousness. They believed God. They put their faith in God mm. in what they knew to be true, and that was credited to them as righteousness well before Jesus ever set foot on planet Earth. Mm. So by their positive response towards yeah. what God had revealed in nature and human conscience, ultimately in special revelation through dreams and visions and prophets, yeah. that this was enough in response to that to lean in, not just trust in themselves or their own religious deeds, but to put their hope in God. Yeah. That was enough for Jesus's death and resurrection to retroactively be applied to them yeah. so that they would be saved. And I think this at least opens the door. If God is indeed personal, that he chooses to reveal himself at different places and times to different peoples. If it's true in Acts 17, that he determines the borders of our inhabitation so that people may reach out and stumble after him and find him, though he's not very far from any one of us. I think it is possible, or at least God could, if he wanted to, reach people outside of the normal means of human messengers or the human preaching of the gospel. Mm. Now, the reason why I think this is so significant and another model that we see is because like for the two children that we lost to miscarriage, mm. what happens to them? Yeah. Are they purely by historical happenstance or a lack of opportunity meant to then be condemned for all eternity? And I don't think that that accords with the justice of God who says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And you think when you see a picture like John the baptizer, who in the womb of Elizabeth, when Mary approached with little Jesus in the first trimester in her womb, it says that under the Holy Spirit, John the baptizer, an unborn kid leaps with joy. Mm. That God can reach an unborn baby in the womb. That God could reach someone in a coma. That God could reach someone in their final moments to reveal himself as they're passing from this life before they stand before him in judgment. Mm. I entrust this person's sister to the goodness of a God who will reveal who he truly is, not the monster that was distorted um, uh, by her experience of Christianity, who will reveal who he truly is and have given every chance for her to respond meaningfully to him. Mm. Uh, I think that accords with the nature and the justice of the picture of God. The third thing I would say, though, is that Christianity is at its heart a missionary religion because everybody needs Jesus. God could save people without directly them knowing the name of Jesus in this life. But we are to act as though everyone needs to hear the name of Jesus. And so mm. the great cry of Romans 10, but how will they call on the one in whom they have not heard? Yeah. How will they believe in him? unless someone is first sent to preach to them. And how beautiful are the feet of those mm. who carry good news over the mountains. 
And so from the very first, this idea of Christians saying, we need to take this gospel to the ends of the earth so that everyone not has the possibility that they could perhaps be saved, but that they can respond to Jesus now and we can know with confidence that they are in fact saved, that they do have a meaningful relationship with God, restoring mm. them to their purpose here and that confidence to be with him for all eternity. So those three things I hold in tension, that everyone needs Jesus, perhaps not everyone needs to know the name of Jesus to be saved by Jesus, but we should act as Christians as though everyone needs to hear the name of Jesus and respond explicitly to the gospel, that this is kind of the way in which the Christian story holds together. That's fantastic. Thanks, Dan. Um, I've got a question here. If you feel close to God but distant from the church, is it okay to stop coming to church? Yeah, this is, a, I think, a very um, poignant question for our cultural moment because there are a lot of people who, through the experience of the pandemic in different parts of the Anglosphere or the Western world, have rethought what is even happening at my local church? Is this really what we're meant to be doing? Is this production that's been created actually serving the purposes that Jesus commissioned the church to be, to be his body, to be light to the world, to be a disciple-making community, to love one another while those 100 one-anothering statements in the New Testament. Is that really what the local church is achieving? Uh, and so I think there are, when you look at, around at the church in the West, there are reasons to be at points critical mm. because of the skeletons in the closet, because of how so much of our culture can seep into the church because it be, can become too focused on yeah. an event rather than on a community and its formation as disciples of Jesus. Yeah. There are reasons to sometimes be critical of the church. But the answer, I think, is not then to jettison from participation as a member in the local church, but to help build her up, mm. to become mature again, and yeah. not to sit back and critique the poor few people who are volunteering and leading in those positions and just weighing them down with more, but instead to lean and say, man, how can I help? How yeah. can I help beautify the church? She's struggling. But the answer is like Jesus, not to badmouth his bride, mm. but instead to wash her with the water of the word. How can I help build mm. her up so that she become what Jesus always intended was to, to be a beacon of hope to the world. And uh, we actually have a chapter in, in the book, the last chapter called, How Can God Be So Good When the Church Is So Bad? Mm. Because for many people, I think this is a common experience, but I think the, what we really need to recapture is the idea that Christianity cannot be a solo enterprise. Mm. It's a communal one. We're made for rich and deep relationships as the community of God that we are formed by rubbing up against other imperfect people mm. who challenge us, expose our faults and flaws and force us to grow as we have to look outside of our own selfish desires to incorporate and include other people different to us. Mm. And, uh, and, and you can't do that on your own. That you yeah. were given gifts by God's presence, by the Holy Spirit to be able to serve and contribute to build up the local body so it can fulfill its ultimate purpose in the world. And so rather than stepping back and throwing stones, I think there is a meaningful place for critique for challenge, but to be done in such a way that builds up the church and yeah, our actions good. of service towards God's people to do that into maturity, I think is a healthier way to look at it. Now, there can be some local churches that get so unhealthy that you absolutely need to jettison out of there, Yeah, <laughs> that there is no reason in good conscience why you should stay in a culture of abuse or one that is destroying people around it or that is so self-focused towards its own illegitimate ends that it, it, it quite literally, you know, I think of Jesus's great warnings in the book of Revelation where he says, repent, and if you do not, I will come to remove your lampstand. You know, I've stood in the ruins of Ephesus where once the great church of the ancient world in Asia Minor used to meet. The city is ruins. Yeah. It's ruins. 
And you just think, man, if only the church had shone brighter, if it hadn't forsaken its first love, if it didn't become the doctrine police that abandoned the heart of Jesus along the way, forsaking that light, well, what could this city have become? Could disaster have been averted if it Mm. had become the leaven that helps to infiltrate and to to fill out the hole? Mm. And so I just look back at those things and think, man, sometimes God shuts down churches because they need their lampstand removed. And so if you find yourself in a really abusive scenario, seek wisdom from wise, godly, generous Christians as to what you should do. And they may counsel you either actually stay and build it up. You know, let's revitalize this Mm. place. Or they may counsel you for your own health, for your sake. You really need to get out and find somewhere where you can reconnect healthily. No, that's really good. Really good. This is, it might be on the same kind of wavelengths kind of um would jesus or king david have been cancelled in today's culture in relation to uh mark driscoll and bill hyles if he yeah okay i mean there's a lot of different things kind of in a question like that (laughs) it's maybe a bit hard to decipher exactly where you're coming from so if i get it completely wrong please come and chat to me afterwards i'd be happy to try and fill out maybe more of the picture Um, Would Jesus be cancelled in our modern culture? I'm wondering if what you mean by this is that there are leaders who have made some serious errors in their character, in their leadership, in their formation, in the way that they've hurt and abused other people. And is there a path back to redemption for them? Uh, You think of, you know, Peter's great failure as he denies the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, Satan is asked to sift you like wheat but fear not for I have prayed that your faith may not fail. And when you return, strengthen the brothers. And that process of Jesus on the um, shores of the Sea of Galilee, restoring Peter to that calling to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs. How do we make sense of these things? Mm. Now, part of what is really in need here is to explore what was done in these specific scenarios. Yeah. And the other is what is the response? You know, are there certain sins that disqualify you from ministry simply because the kind of character qualifications that set you up require that you have a good reputation with outsiders, that you're trusted by those around you, that you act as a spiritual parent towards the community and people really can lean in and look up to you in that way. And there are certain things that people do that really make it difficult for the outside world looking on Mm -hmm. to be able to treat that person with the kind of respect that you would want a gospel minister to have Mm -hmm. or to those within the community to be able to look up and to admire that person having gone through a process of restoration. That's one thing to consider. The other key thing to consider is the nature of the response of these people when their sin is exposed. Mm. Someone like King David when Nathan really called him on it and said, you're the man. You see the great Psalm of Psalm 51. Lord, uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. This Mm. contrite heart that God does not despise, this confession that I've sinned against heaven and before you. This is the nature of David's response. And even still, the after effects of his decisions with Bathsheba and with others, you see that played out in his kids. And you see it end up ripping apart the entire nation. Sin Mm. has consequences. And as soft-hearted as he was to God, that act of repentance is something you see again in the nature of Peter's response. Yeah. Where he runs out into the dark weeping as Jesus looks across to him at the courtyard after Mm. the the cock crows three times. That moment of realization of his betrayal of the Lord and of that weight of guilt that was upon him, of his response to Jesus of diving out of the boat on the Sea of Galilee, just to clamor towards him to get there first. So much of the softness that you see in Peter, having been so humble, Jesus, even though everyone else will betray you, I will not. I would even die for you only then to be exposed for his failures and Jesus helping him come to grips with this. 
the real response of a person in those scenarios matters. Do they go through an incredible process of repentance and then a restoration, a restorative path yeah. where the church comes to trust who they've become yeah. as they've been remade by Jesus? And so mm. on a question like this one, uh, there's just a couple of things to outline. Some sins are really grievous and they do so much destruction that I'm just not sure that that leadership role can ever be restored. Yeah, It's done so much to harm the credibility of the gospel and the trustworthiness of that person. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're not restored to fellowship, to God's no. church, to be a meaningful member, but questions of leadership, of whether or not they're above reproach. Those are serious, serious qualifications. Brothers, not many of us should be teachers, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Yeah. It's a serious warning. Yeah. But the other aspect is, as Christians, we are not like the cancel culture around us, meant to drag up a person's faults, to mm. nail that person to a cross and then offer no path of redemption for them to have a meaningful part as a member of God's church. Not mm. always a leader, but a member. Do we open the door to grace or do we slam it shut in judgmentalism like a culture that has lost its ability to forgive? Mm. And the Christian church is meant to model a different way as we move forward. But again, a person's reaction really does uh, impact how we respond and yeah. build that pathway. That's really good. I'm gonna, I think we've got time for one last question before we wrap it up for tonight. Um, why is it so hard to trust and rely on God throughout our lives? It's hmm. a good question. And I'm not sure that I'm qualified to answer it for other people. Yeah. Um, until you've walked in someone's shoes, man, the pain that people face, the disappointments, their own personalities and struggles... Uh, that's an impossible question for me to answer for someone else. Mm. Um, as I look to myself, I, it's so hard for me um, because usually just the weakness of my own habits. Yeah. Um, I'm so easily give in to taking the easier route. My, what Tim Keller might call my deep idol is comfort. Mm. And so we're always busy, always doing things. And, uh, and, you know, when in my private time, the very moments that would help to build a resilient or fortified faith mm. um, to become more and more the person I want to be, I'm so tempted just to sleep yeah. or to do nothing, <laughs> <laughs> just to chill, um, rather than to, to build some of those meaningful habits of those moments where I really need to, to, to help foster that around me. Yeah. Um, the other thing I might say, and this is actually where I think God saves me, is so rarely do we allow other people into that space to help us. Yeah. Christianity is not a lone wolf experience. And one of the things that I've been so fortunate to have, and I realize this as a gift from God, is so many dear friends. Mm. People that don't see the mask that I can be tempted to put on. Yeah. People that aren't satisfied with me saying what I'm doing, but ask how I'm doing. Yeah. People that will push past my first response to say, how are you really doing? Yeah. And people who will ask hard questions, not because they want to expose me or point a finger, but because they really want to lift me up before God and help me become the person that he intends me to be. Um, those rich friendships are people who know who I really am mm. so that when I feel loved by them, I really do feel loved. Yeah. Um, they're the things that help me in my faith towards God to really do it's believe good in the grace of God, that he does love me having seen me to the depths because I see that reflected in his people who love me having seen me to the depths. And so maybe an invitation in response to this one is to find ways with people that you can trust to foster those deep and meaningful relationships, mm. places where you can take off the mask, 
to stop mm. pretending to be honest about who you really are and what you're really going through it's so good. that people can pray with you. They can bear your burdens. They can encourage you with the promises yeah. of God. And they can just enjoy life at that kind of a deep level of knowing who we really are. Yeah. You know, if the problem originally was hiding from God and from others, the solution is to come clean with God and with others, to come clean with the darkness and the feebleness in my own heart and to do that with others so that I realize, man, this is worth believing. It's worth clinging on to and I'm going to yeah. do that with all that I am. That's really good. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, it's been awesome uh, having you on the podcast hey. once again. Um, for those of you watching, make sure you go and grab his book. For those of you who are here, he's going to be selling them out in the stand in the foyer, uh, but you can also get it on Kurong. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it off his website as well, questioning, yeah. questioningchristianity.com, and go and, go and follow him on everything. It's worth it. He's got really good videos. He's got really good content, and he's a top-quality guy, which I think we've all seen here tonight um but yes if you uh did find this interesting feel free to give it a share give it a like we're, we're not here to uh to be popular by any means um but we just want this to help as many people as possible um but yeah make sure you go give dan a like he's thanks. the man of the hour so let's give him a hand guys yeah appreciate you <laughs> thanks so much mate really love what you're doing and i think that idea of just helping people process what's a good way to live what actually helps me become the kind of person that i would aspire to i think that's a gift to the world so thanks for what you do oh thanks dan <laughs> Awesome. Well, we're uh, done for the night. Um, we've got some food out there. Make sure you grab a book. Um, and yeah, have a great night, everyone. Yeah. Just uh, FYI, um, so we're, we're selling the books at 20 bucks. We, uh, we just break even because we use whatever you give to be able to pass on as many books as we can, usually in events that we're doing. Um, but if you can't actually afford one but still want one, we'd love to be able to give you one for free. So just come and see me if that's your case. Uh, we do sell six for 100. So if you want to give out gifts for Christmas, mm. they're kind of really well designed for those books you could just give to someone who's interested or who has barriers but might be open and because so many people don't read uh, we do have an audiobook version that you can download off audible so if you want to go and get something like that feel free to do it that way too and just listen in the car or listen while you're doing do your you exercise do you read it dan are you the audio person in that? Uh, so i do both um I, I read things and particularly i like having hard copies either to give to people or to because i use them as referencing in ideas or quotes or that kind of stuff but um but i do listen to a lot of audio content as well so Oh, are you the person that reads it? Oh, out? sorry. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> not, actually. So we, we were published by an American publisher, Moody Press. Um, and so they uh, have an American voice actor do it. I was actually really American. worried about that uh, because you think, oh, it's going to be so cringy. <laughs> but uh, he's actually got really good, interesting diction. Good. So I listened to it. I'm like, oh, actually, this is, he I'm enjoying right. this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does all right. He makes it sound more interesting than it's written. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Dan.